The show is about to begin. Please do not startle the performers. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Doug Bursch, and you are listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So on today's show, I'm going to wax somewhat eloquently about deconstruction or deconstructing, deconstructing our faith. There's a lot of talk. You might have even seen people or read tweets from people who say they are in the process of deconstruction or they went through a process of deconstruction. What does it mean? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I'm going to give some thoughts on deconstructing our faith and how we might approach it in a healthy manner. Fairly Spiritual Show. Hey, I'd like to apologize, but I don't know if I'm going to, about the infrequency of my podcast of late. Uh, I'm sorry. There's been a part of me that's just been a little bit in the doldrums, but, but I'm hoping that I'll come back with some more podcasts. I'm getting ready for my book launch, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. That launch is April 20th, and I have lots of things I want to share when it comes to that. Uh, so hopefully we'll get right back into more regularly scheduled podcasts, you know, like one a week, hopefully, or at least three a month. So uh, I appreciate people sending me encouragement about uh, how the podcast have helped you, helped you. I appreciate that greatly. And so I'm going to continue. So on today's show, I want to talk about the word deconstruction or deconstructing. Uh, You've heard people talk about uh, deconstructing their faith or the process of deconstruction. Deconstruction, what's your function? Tearing down faith, things that hurt you. No, I, I, you know, there really should be a school, was it, was it school rock? No, schoolhouse rock. There really should be a schoolhouse rock for uh, some of these uh, Christian conflicts or big dilemmas that we get involved in. Although it probably couldn't be called schoolhouse rock. It'd probably have to be called homeschool rock for some people. But anyway, deconstruction. Deconstruction is like one of those words like uh, evangelicalism, where sometimes it's so nebulous, it's really hard to know what people are talking about. But I want to talk about this in a sensitive way. Um, Of course, uh, humor always comes into play with my life because that's a way to cope, right, with existence. And, uh, you know, that's just how God made me. But I want to look at deconstructing from a sensitive place that uh, not, this isn't a podcast tearing it down or belittling it. I just want to give you some thoughts because there's no way that I have the answer. Uh, anyone who does that, you know, gives you that dictionary definition, this is what deconstruction is and this is what it looks like and this is what it isn't like. I just think there's an arrogance in that. And often there's a bit of control that we're trying to control the dialogue and so we phrase it in a certain way. And whether we're trying to control it because we're trying to get everybody to get along or we're controlling it because we don't like some people and we like others, whatever it is, we just shouldn't be in that state where we're trying to control people's journeys. What we can do is share our own journey. And so I'm going to share some of the thoughts that I've had about deconstruction, deconstructing, 
And, uh, you know, I'd love it if you would respond to me. Uh, you can, I, I put these on the fairlyspiritual.org website. You can certainly comment to any podcast uh, through that. They're also, of course, on uh, iTunes and other places. But I want to get into just, wrote down some thoughts here about deconstruction, deconstruction or deconstructing because uh, it's really, I don't want to say buzzword, but you're seeing it all over the place. And we're seeing it for a reason because people are going through some radical processes. So what do I think about when someone tells me that they're deconstructing their faith? Or they're going through a season of deconstruction? First, the word itself is rather nebulous, but I like the nebulous nature of the word. It's why it's so powerful. It clearly evokes a strong feeling. When you hear the word deconstruction, you don't take that lightly. It's not something that uh, you just kind of pass by. And I think the nebulousness of it, almost the poetic nature of it, is why it's so powerful, but also why it's so unclear. It's just to evoke strong feelings. And uh, it's kind of in a place where we don't know what it means, because to know what it means, you're going to have to have a deeper conversation with that person who's talking about their life deconstructing. It's similar if somebody tells you they're building a house at some level, there's uh, questions to follow, like, really, uh, what kind of house? Uh, is it a rambler? Does it have two stories? What's the square footage? Where is it? The, the very nature of saying constructing uh, calls for further investigation. And I think deconstructing works the same way. Not that you're further interrogation, but just what does that mean? That's a pretty strong word. What do you mean by deconstruction? Well, I think I was writing this down because I was looking on Twitter about uh, someone who I thought was kind of belittling deconstruction, and I saw a response to that from a friend of mine, Tim Fall, that I thought was just excellent, where he was talking about the seriousness of people who are talking about having their faith deconstructed. And so this is these are some of the thoughts I had. Uh, when someone says deconstruction, deconstruction implies something profound is happening. I think we can all agree on that. Something profound is happening. It's not just a paint job or a repair. It's not just, oh, we did some work on the gutters. There's something profound, large, big happening to the building. If you drive by that person's spiritual house or spiritual abiding place or, or whatever they're talking about here, you'll notice that something is happening. It's not one of those, hey, did, did they get a new paint job? And hey, that looks like they have a new window over there or... Did someone do some landscaping? No, it is, what happened to that house? What happened to that building? It, it's not there anymore. Or what are they doing to that building? It seems like they're taking it apart. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, historic buildings where they can't tear down the building and they have to keep a certain amount of it preserved. So they'll just tear it down to maybe a couple walls. And then from those walls, they build right back up. Well, deconstruction implies that something radical is happening, a radical shift in someone's beliefs. It implies I'm pulling this thing apart. I'm seeing if there's anything that can be salvaged. Or I'm taking things apart so that I can find the foundation and see 
if the foundation is even a good foundation, was it a good foundation and I just built wrong on it? Or have we built this thing on the wrong foundation? And the only way to truly figure out if there's cracks in the foundation or if the foundation is solid, we've got to remove everything else. We've got to rip up the floors, you know, to see if the walls are okay. We got to we got to go through the walls and actually see the studs and we have to see the two by fours and and is there dry rot? Is there mold in this thing? What's behind the walls? What's behind the facades? Deconstruction implies something profound is happening. Deconstruction also usually implies a fair amount of hurt, disillusionment, and pain. And I want to say that again. It implies a fair amount of hurt, disillusionment, and pain. At least I've seen that, that when people talk about going through a process of deconstruction, it often comes where they experienced a catalytic moment. Uh, Brenda Salter McNeil talks about this in her books, but she mentions, and this is in the concept of reconciliation, that people experience a catalytic moment, an event that basically shows them, and this is the concept of reconciliation, that things aren't the way they should be. Things can't stay this way anymore. Something radical has to change. And that catalytic moment either moves them forward in transformation, or they begin to fortify even stronger their existing biases and beliefs. Well, I, I think pain and hurt and disillusionment are often the catalytic moments that cause people to enter into the process of deconstruction. Whether it's abandonment by people in positions of power or authority, or, or abuse, or the codifying of abuse, or neglect, or betrayals, something happens. And often it's very relational, whether it's with you or with someone else. Something happens that uh, you know, causes tremendous hurt and pain. Now, this hurt and pain can be more than just someone doing something to you. It can be something like, let's say, the last election. Uh, many people are going through deconstruction when it comes to the support of Donald Trump. They, they believe they'd see Donald Trump and see him as someone who is an immoral person, someone who should never be president, uh, who should never be voted for, or at least not voted for a second time. And there's Christians who believe this, and whether you believe this or not, there are Christians who believe this, and when they saw that, when they saw a majority of evangelicals support Trump, that became a catalytic moment for them. Because they realized, if, if I'm associating with people who view this so radically different than me, who are praising this man who I think is incredibly troubled, if that's the case, then what else is broken? What else is wrong with this spiritual house that we've been building? And so that's a catalytic moment where they begin to deconstruct their faith. What, what else do I believe? You know, for some people, that catalytic moment can also be just, you know, you grew up in the church and there were people you trusted and respected and they had advice for you. And then you're an older person and you notice that that couple that's spoken to your life they're now divorced and they don't even care about God. Not that divorce is, is just terrible, but they gave you all this advice and they, they presented themselves in this way that seemed so right and righteous and healthy. And yet now you're looking at it and going, was that all just a facade? Because that person, that, that youth group leader who I loved isn't even serving the Lord anymore. And they, they brought me to my faith and there's that disillusionment of what do I believe in? Is it even true? And the things people promised me, were they just saying stuff? Or was it actually happening in their life? There, there, there's a certain amount of hurt 
and pain associated with uh, the term deconstructing. And because of that, I think we must not be flippant in how we respond to anyone who uses that word. It's not our job to convince someone not to deconstruct their faith. It's not our job to judge them like, well, you shouldn't have done it that way, or you should view it differently, or, you know, you just need to go to another church, or you, you just need to find more people you can trust. The first thing, now maybe we can speak into someone's life and we have advice or opinions, but if someone doesn't believe you actually care about their pain, they're not going to listen to you. And they shouldn't listen to you because you're a dangerous person. If you don't really care about someone else, if you don't really identify with their pain and want to actually know, man, how were you hurt? And 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 to actually empathize in a way where you, you can say, I'm sorry that happened to you. Or or even say, boy, I have no idea what that's like. Or, man, if I were you, I don't even know if I would believe in God. But I'm so glad that you'd be willing to share what's gone on in your life so that I can know you better. You see, deconstruction can mean a lot of different things to different people. Uh, but there's a thread of pain, hurt, and even betrayal that is often woven within the process. Some other thoughts on deconstruction. I just want to give you my thoughts here, and I hope maybe it helped you process as well. I work in a lot of different communities and a lot of different groups, uh, even a lot of on the spectrum of progressive or conservative. And I find myself in all kinds of different environments. And uh, from that, I feel like in some ways I have a view of what's going on in the larger church that some people might not have. Uh, but whatever view I have, the best I can share is what I have seen. Deconstruction can sometimes be motivated by a reaction against something or someone. So when people are, are saying deconstruction in that way, they're not really just tearing things down to the foundation. It's more they're moving in a direction away from something or towards something. It's, it's a reactionary, and I'm not using reactionary in the negative light, but really the process comes as uh, something has happened, as I said before, a hurt, a pain, a betrayal, and then we move from that. We move, and I've noticed that. I can, I can follow enough, even some very famous or um, well-known people who talk about deconstruction, and the way they talk, I can tell how they were raised. I can tell, oh, that, that person must have been raised by extreme conservative Baptists. And what they're talking about now, it, it almost feels like the answer to that. It's a, it's, it's a subset of that environment that they, that they grew up in. It's an answer to that environment. It's not, they didn't just kind of form their ideology in just this, you know, I went out into a field and I prayed and I read scripture and I found God. It's much more focused on specific counterpoints to what they saw was wrong in the environments they were in. And so in that way, deconstruction is much more an aggressive reaction against what has come before. Sometimes deconstruction means someone has adopted a new ideology, philosophy, or way of seeing things. So it means that they've changed their mind. They used to have a view of scripture that was one way, now they have a view that is another way. They used to have a view of salvation that was one way, and now they have another way. And so they use that as a term for deconstruction. Sometimes it is the shifting of or prioritizing of values. 
So it's not that their values have changed, but some values are given more priority than other values. And so, and you'll see that even scripturally, they'll say, you know, I care more about the words of Jesus than the words of Paul, or I care more about love than I care about justice, or I care more about justice than I do about grace, or a different understanding of what grace is and what justice is, and a hierarchy of how those things go together. So there is a deconstructing process where things are torn down, but that deconstructing process often comes from just a choice. A choice is, I believe this is a more important value. And then from that new value or that old value that has more importance, they tear down the rest of the house or the foundation and they shift it in order to now have their ideas, their ideology, their politics, their faith to be based upon that value that they consider to be more important. It's the shifting or prioritizing of values. It's building upon new values or giving greater focus to some values over other values. I don't think deconstruction can ever just be a blank slate. And what I mean by that is I don't think anyone can ever just, you know, I just cleared everything off, uh, you know, just took everything apart and started from scratch. I think it is impossible to start from scratch. Our histories have formed us. Our life has formed us. And, and I'm not judging this. I'm not saying that people are doing something wrong. I, I just think this is the reality of it. You can't go back to start. Deconstruction is not, I'm just going to tear everything down and we're going to build up something new and right, brick by brick. No, we're still at some level reacting against something. We're still taking foundations and reprioritizing those foundations. Even the very act of deconstruction is an act of, of doing something based on a belief. We believe that things can be taken apart and put back together. We believe in that value that our goal is to grow in certain areas. And in order to grow, that means some things must be abandoned and other things must be accepted. Some things must be strengthened and other things must be weakened in our life. Deconstruction, though, for me, it's not, I just don't think that it's ever just a blank slate. It's still at some level a response to something. And I can use an example of this. I've seen this with Christian progressives. It's interesting to me that most of the published Christian progressives, the ones that we hear the most about, who've become the most popular in social media, they are often Christian progressives who were raised in very conservative environments. And then they found that those environments, they had a catalytic moment or many catalytic moments, or they just didn't like the environment they were in uh, the whole time. But something happens and they react against that and they embrace a new way. But in that context, their writing to me is very much almost a subcategory or group or a reaction or within the context of the environments they've come out of. It's an answer to the legalistic environments they've come out of. It's an answer to the evangelical conservative environments they've come out of. But it's not just someone forming a progressive ideology from a blank slate. In fact, I think there's a very big difference between a progressive who was raised or grew as a Christian conservative and then uh, rejected that and deconstructed their life and now is a progressive Christian than someone who just came to Christ as a progressive Christian. 
that's very different. And in general, we don't tend to actually publish and highlight and promote the people who just, when they became a Christian, they saw that the Bible uh, validated what they believed to be progressive ideas. Now, why do we do that? Why does the publishing industry not do that? Well, I think one of the reasons the Christian publishing industry actually highlights uh, people who've come out of those environments is that's kind of their audience. Their audience is people who are sort of in those environments or wanting to come out of those environments. So they actually are writing to that group that hasn't deconstructed yet or who doesn't believe in deconstruction or is somewhere in the middle. And I'll, I just bring that up because I think it's important for us to see the difference. There's something radically different to me. And you could do the same thing with conservative, although I don't find many people who've become uh, conservative Christians who are raised in progressive Christian environments. I do find people who were just progressives and not Christians, and they become Christians, and now they become conservative uh, Christians. But that's a different group, and that's a different reality based on the process of deconstruction. Here's another thing. Sometimes we talk about systems uh, in deconstruction because it's easier to talk about systems than to look at the personal relationships that harmed us. And what I say by this is what you'll find is people who are deconstructing, let's say they came from a very conservative, troubled, legalistic environment, they'll spend a lot of their time focusing in on the pastors, the churches, the theologies, and systems that they believe are unhealthy, and even maybe trying to tear those things down or, or bring people out of those systems. What's harder to do sometimes is to focus in on the parents that were in those systems who taught us those systems. The logic kind of goes like this. My parents parented me poorly because they had a pastor and a church that led them astray. Now, both these things can be true, and hear me clearly. Yes, pastors and churches can lead people astray. Also, people are responsible for their own actions. It is harder to do this. It's harder to say, regardless of the systems and structures around there, my parents chose to believe and put themselves in an environment that harmed me. They chose to adopt parenting practices that harmed me. They chose to present a gospel. It was attractive to them to present a gospel that is not only not attractive to me, I actually had to deconstruct that thing and build something completely different. And in the deconstruction phase, I often see this, that some people are willing to look at deconstruction when it comes to the systems and the structures and the churches and the leaders, and we should because they influence people. But sometimes it's much harder to look at the context of the relationships. A mother who should have loved us better. A father who should have known that that was wrong. Should have known that that was abusive and the fact that, let's say in the context of they were in, let's say in a legalistic environment where the husband has all the control and controls the wife and controls the kids and, and raises them with legalism and laws and punishments and spankings and groundings. Well, you can look at the system and the system's broken. But there was something in that system that was attractive to the parent. The parent liked it. Now, it's not always the case. Some total manipulation. We know that's how cults form, right? But this is a hard part of deconstruction. And even as I'm talking about this, I know some people might be getting upset at me. Hear me clearly. I think pastors and churches and systems and structures are responsible for how they raise people, how they influence people. But there also is this chicken and the egg, which came first, that there are also people who are attracted to these corrupting systems, to these 
broken systems, and they have responsibility as well. The struggle with deconstruction is sometimes we can go after the institution, like I, I don't no longer like the institution of the church or the institution or theology of evangelicalism. It's harder to deal with the fact of the betrayals, the hurts, the things that happened with us with our parents, our people we loved, people that we were friends with. So that's just another aspect of deconstruction. Both can be true. Both can be true that the system is responsible and needs to be looked at. But also in deconstruction, there's also this issue of how do I deal with the fact that my parents thought it was okay to hit me all the time and they used the Bible to justify it? How, how can I deal with the fact that my father was okay, thought it was okay to go to a church that devalued women in such a way that they felt like second-class citizens? And that's a harder process when it comes to deconstruction. Uh, people use the word evolve instead of uh, deconstruction. They'll say, my faith has evolved. There's conferences that even talk about evolving faith. And that's another word that has strengths to it, but it also has weaknesses. Evolved works great in the context of this, that every human being is growing, hopefully, right? We get new information, new understanding, new experiences. Uh, hopefully, we're getting wiser as we get older. As we get wiser, new information, new experiences, uh, a, a better understanding of the world we live in, there's a process of growth, and that growth can be called a form of evolving. The problem I have, though, with evolving in, in social media and even calling conferences like evolving faith and such is evolving can also be a term that makes people who disagree with you seem like they're cavemen. So when I say, you know, my faith has evolved, whether I want to imply this or not, I'm saying you have less evolved faith. You're still living like Cro-Magnum man, but I, you know, I have this evolved faith. Now, I don't think that's the spirit behind why people do that, or at least I hope it isn't. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes people like to talk down to other people. That's a shock, right? But the reality is I don't want to use language that makes other people feel like, uh, well, you're just not as advanced as me. Someday you'll evolve and you'll see things the way I see them, right? So, and also because uh, there's also these issues with evangelicals, with evolution itself, that if your goal is to help people grow in their faith and you use terminologies that already have people kind of nervous, like, what do you mean by evolved? Then I don't know if you're using that language to help people come out of something as more you're using it to kind of defend and justify your own life, which is fine. If your goal is to use that language just to help the people who've come out of a certain environment, that's great. But if your goal is to reach people who are still stuck in that environment, I don't know if it's the best way to present evolve, to say I've evolved. Again, I don't want you to feel bad on that. I mean, there's many positive ways, and that's relationally. It depends on the person, how they use it. These are just some thoughts that I'm sharing. <laughs> Please, trust me. I, I don't feel like I'm right in any, any of these things. I'm just telling you what I think about these things. Uh, you know, some people change ideologies, and this is the big thing I just want to kind of finish with here of the thoughts is, some people change ideologies, philosophies, politics in their deconstruction, but they don't deal with a issue that's just as important or maybe even more important. They don't deal with the deeper issues of how they view their worth and their value. So they know they were in environments that were wrong. They know those environments have harmed them and they don't want to live that way anymore. And so they 
they gain new ideologies. They have a new concepts of salvation. They have new concepts of sanctification. They have new concepts of politically how a Christian is supposed to express themselves. So if you talk to them, they'd say, I used to believe this politically, now I believe this other thing. I used to believe this theo theologically, now I believe this other thing. And so there's a lot of change when it comes to the ideology. But where there isn't as much change is when it comes to deeper things like their own worth. And, and this is the example I have. If you were raised in an environment where people were very legalistic, where they had this idea, to be a true Christian, you have to believe these five things. To be right before God, you got to do these 10 things. We're the true Christians. This is the true Christ-like way. Uh, if you agree with us, we love you. If you don't, we ostracize you. We cast you out. We shun you. Uh, we treat you as enemies. And that is a person, or they feel, unless I'm right, I'm a bad person, because to be a good person is to have the right answer. And if I don't have the right answer, then I'm a bad person. And that becomes internalized. So what you find with someone deconstructing from that environment, they deal with the ideologies and philosophies and theologies that might be bad, but they don't deal with the identity formation stuff that might be bad as well. The belief that I have to be right to be loved, or that you have to be right to be loved, or the belief that I can only associate with you as much as you agree with me, or I will only treat people well if they treat me well, or only love people as much as they agree with what I agree with. So what you'll find is people who will say, you know, I went through this deconstruction process, uh, and they have different ideologies, and they have different philosophies and theologies, but they're just as legalistic as ever. They're just as angry and bitter, and they'll accept and reject you based on whether you agree with them or don't agree with them. Now, even as I'm saying this, I know some people will get upset and they'll feel like it's an attack, but I think you would want to grow out of that, right? You wouldn't want that your love is dependent upon whether someone agrees with you, that you don't feel like less a person uh, if someone thinks you're wrong. Because ultimately, for me, Part of the process of growing is to know that Christ Jesus is my worth, that my worth is not dependent upon you agreeing with me or disagreeing with me with this podcast. And, and my love for you should not be dependent upon whether you agree or disagree with me on this, that I am called to love you. And anything that I express and the beliefs I have and the passions I have, the goal would be to love you. And if you disagree with me, my goal would not be to harm you or to hurt you or to reject you or to belittle you or ridicule you. It would be to love you as best as I know how, even though we disagree. And that's what a healthy family should do. And that's what a healthy church should do. But sometimes we don't include this reality in the deconstruction process. So someone has a new set of ideologies and philosophies, but they're still just as bound by People need to like me for me to feel worth, and people need to agree with me to feel worth, or if someone disagrees with me, I see it as an attack on my identity and my personality. So this, to me, is one of the deeper issues with deconstruction, and that's why I would encourage you, if you came out of an abusive environment, a harmful environment, uh, 
then if anything, if you can, if you can afford it, seek out Christian counseling or psychiatric care. Uh, people that you can process the deeper things with. Now, I know that's a form of privilege that not everyone has the money to be able to seek that out. Well, then also, you know, read some books on psychological health or find people you trust because you don't want your worth and your value and your love held hostage by whether or not people agree with you. You don't want to carry on that, that religious spirit that you confronted when you were a little kid, when you felt rejected by your parents because you didn't 100% agree with them. You, you want to be a parent that your kids feel loved whether you agree with them or not, right? Where your friends feel loved, whether they agree with you or not. Where they sense the spirit of Christ, even when you're strongly talking about things that are wrong and calling people to repentance. That's part of the deconstructing process as well. Uh, anyway, we should be safe people for others to process their faith or their absence of faith. That's the biggest thing for me with deconstruction is we, we should be safe that people can process their faith or absence of faith. It's not our job to try to convince anyone to do anything. I mean, if they ask us, they're like, well, why do you believe? And what do you believe? And how do you... It's one thing to give advice when people ask for advice. But often I think we give advice out of our own insecurities. Someone says, I've given up on the church and me as a pastor, I get defensive. Like, that's what I do. And so then I can start telling them why they shouldn't give up on the church, but I got to be careful. Am I telling that for them or am I telling that to justify myself and my own insecurities as a pastor or someone who has a church? I think ultimately we must be safe people for people to process their lives. We must be careful not to simplistically label deconstruction as something universally similar in every person. It's going to be as different as the relationships, the harms, the abuse. Even there, some people might not be harm or abuse. So just one day they're like, you know what? I, I need to build on something better. This isn't working. We cannot assume that we know what it is for each person. Uh, you know, the word deconstruction has many different meanings that can only be understood in each person through relationship. That's ultimately true with any word. Sometimes we argue about the words. What does it mean to be evangelical or an ex-evangelical? Or what does it mean for deconstruction? We're, we're never going to come together on an agreed-upon definition. I mean, we can work on those definitions. But those definitions still don't make sense until we truly know uh, in someone's personal life what part of that definition they relate with or don't relate with. For some people, deconstruction can just mean, I have been wounded and harmed beat up, attacked, just leveled. Everything's been torn apart. And I'm just trying to find a way to build my life back up again. For others, it might be a reaction against, I don't like that theology. I don't like the fruit of it. I'm going to go in a different direction. Some, it might have been they were just praying at the altar and they felt like the Holy Spirit said, you got to start over. I know my parents did that with parenting. The Lord brought them to a place where they were like, we don't know how to parent. It doesn't seem like any Christians know how to parent. They're legalistic and full of rules and laws and regulations, so we're going to parent in a different way. And so they went back to the Bible and began to read about love and grace and change their parenting based on that reality. Deconstruction can mean many things to different people. So I just want to close with this, particularly if you're listening and you're in that place. Father God, I thank you that you know us. You know us by name. You're familiar with us. You know what we need. And if there's anyone listening today and they were just, I didn't get what I need, Lord, I know 
that you can provide what that person needs. So I just pray that you would give them spirit-led next steps. You'd give them spirit-led confidence that you're with them, that you've not left them or forsaken them, that they could open their ears to hear you and to pursue you, that you'd speak to them through your word, that you'd speak to them through healthy people, safe people who love them. Lord, I ask that you'd help all of us. If there's anything we're holding on to that we don't need, would you just remove it? If there are areas of our life that need deconstructed, torn down, demolished, remodeled, whatever it is, Lord, uh, we present our lives to you, not just one time, not just two times, not just a season of deconstruction, but we daily present our lives to you. And we say, search our hearts and know our ways. And if there's anything we've adopted that's wicked, wicked against us, wicked against others, that you don't want in our lives, would you just reveal it and help us to just, you take that and you build us on the foundation you want to build us on into the spiritual house you want to see. We welcome your presence. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I so much appreciate you listening. Uh, you can go to fairlyspiritual.org to find past podcasts. Certainly love it if you'd subscribe to the show on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. And please pre-order my book, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. It comes out April 20th. Love you guys. I'll see you next time.